Welcome to Season 10 of Purposeful Empathy, a show that is dedicated to amplifying the voices of people from across the globe who understand that the world needs more empathy and are doing something about it. I want to thank all of you for watching. Our first 100 episodes garnered over 20,000 organic views. I couldn't do it without you. Please share, please subscribe, and enjoy the show. Welcome to a new episode of Purposeful Empathy. Today, I am joined by fabulous Anouk Laurie, who is the co-founder and president of Wasabi Leadership, a leadership development training center north of Montreal. She's an international speaker certified in equine facilitated learning and coaching. I'll explain what that means, or she'll explain what that means in a second. She's also a proud social entrepreneur with a crystal clear focus and purpose, and that is to support the development of leaders so that they can make a positive and sustainable difference in the world. Welcome to the show, Anouk. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Anita. It's, it's, a, it's a great honor for me to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation so much because a mutual friend of ours put us in touch um, because she thought that I would benefit from a conversation with you on my show. And before we jump straight into taping uh, a show, you invited me up to your farm, to your center, where I had the chance to do equine coaching with you. Then I invited you to my leadership class. Then you invited my students up uh, to do group equine coaching. Then my husband went, then many of my friends went, and now I want the world to know about the work that you do because I really, I sincerely mean this Anouk. I think that you were bought, brought to the planet to do this work. I think this is your calling and you, you have a gift that is um, is transformative. I've lived that firsthand. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Take it thank in, take it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I have to say thank you. And I could say exactly the same about you. So thank you very much. Beautiful, we're in a love, we're in the sisterhood love, uh, love fest. Okay, I thought maybe what I would start with is since the work of equine coaching, so working with horses, right? That's what equine coaching is about kind of falls within a broader body of work around biomimicry. And I remember coming across biomimicry a few years ago and uh, thinking how fascinating biomimicry is. So I wonder if you could just share at, at sort of at a general level, like how, what is biomimicry about and what can nature teach us um, about things like authentic leadership? Yes, a biomimicry. First of all, I will really invite you to read Janine Benio's work about biomimicry. She's she's an expert. She's kind of a, the founder of this. So biomimicry is to kind of for us to look at nature and see how nature does things or does behave and how can we as humans be inspired by what nature does so usually we know biomimicry like you know the plants are inspired by the um, the sharks and all kinds of the you know the air conditioning in our big buildings are inspired by some insects so we know this technical stuff about biomimicry it's how can we create technical innovations inspired by nature but what's kind of new in this field is that the scientists they start to look at the social behaviors of the animals or the plants or even the trees and look at 
okay, it's working. And so these species, they're surviving and thriving for millions of years now. How do they do that? So how can we learn from nature? I would say, I would give the example about leadership. What is leadership in nature? How does that work? How do they do? How do they behave in herds, in swarms, in flocks, and make it that it's sustainable and that everybody is thriving? So it's getting inspiration from nature and applying it in, in our real lives. Love it. I mean, I still have a memory of being told that spider webs are studied by civil engineers to build bridges. Like that's a, I, that's a concept of biomimicry. And now you're saying that we can learn from nature uh, to inform how we organize ourselves in teams at work in society. I love it. Okay. So why horses in particular, what makes them special teachers and catalysts to transformation? So uh, there are two parts of why horses. The first part is the similarities that we can kind of have between herd of horses in the wild and teams and organizations. So there are, the similarities are kind of they live in, a, in, a, in an environment that is uncertain, that is volatile, that is complex, ambiguous, sometimes even dangerous. It's the same as our organizations the environment is like that, especially nowadays and in the future. Mm -hmm. The other thing that is similar is that they live in herds, they live together, they live in teams, kind of, mm -hmm. to support one mission, to survive and thrive. And again, if you look at our organizations or companies or charities, it doesn't matter, even our families, we have the same mission, it's to survive and thrive. You can add complex things behind that, but if you simplify it, it's one mission. So if you look at horses, they live in an environment that is similar to ours. They live with one mission that is similar to ours. They live in teams, in herds, like we do in our organizations. And what's very interesting too is that if you look at a herd, there is diversity diversity of ages, diversity of genders, diversity of personalities, diversity of talents, and they manage to work together to serve that mission. So there is a big part of being inspired by these animals. How do they do that? They've been here on earth for millions and millions of years. So there must be strategies there. There must be way, ways of doing the things that we could be inspired by. So that is the first reason. The second reason is that the, these big powerful animals, sometimes scary for people. In fact, they are super high sensitive beings. So when a human interacts with a horse, the horse is kind of scanning the human knowing kind of everything about what's going on in the human's mind, about the emotions, about the energy, about the intentions. They do not have the cognitive brain to understand that. They do, they do have a wonderful ability, we can call it empathy, ability to feel the human. So when they interact with the humans, one human or a team, they will try to understand what's going on with that person and, and because they are social animals, they will say, well, would it be interesting to include you in my herd? Because the more we are, the more we can achieve the mission. 
but I won't include you if you're not congruent, if you're not authentic, if you're not confident, if you cannot contribute to the herd. So it's very intuitive from that animal and I'm not anthropomorphizing anything. It's scientifically proven that the horses have the ability to respond non-verbally to what the, the humans are experiencing and living and they will give non-verbal feedback that we use and uh, coach you about it. So that's yeah, you know, I, I, my husband, when he went to do um, you know a half day session with you, he was working on assertiveness and confidence. And I remember you were kind of inviting him to play around with his energy fields so that he could be sort of, you know, a little bit more powerful in how he felt about himself and see how the horse would react to him. And at one point he tipped too far into sort of predator energy and the horse went wild. And then another time he was not sort of confident enough and the horse wanted nothing to do with him. But when he found himself in a place where he was feeling like really confident and, and good about himself. The horse wanted to be with him. And so he had that experience and I had that experience and everybody I've sent has had experiences. So it's not just sort of, I think it's important to share that with listeners and viewers that yes. this is not just the theoretical, like I lived an embodied experience where I felt that the horse knew exactly when I was feeling true to myself or when I was having thoughts that were self-doubt or thoughts that were, you know, worried about the fear of judgment of others, and that when I really felt good about myself, then I was able to really connect with the horse. So it's it's true. I've lived it. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that. It's 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 a hundred percent true, and you know, it didn't happen once. It it happens thousands of times, and it, and it's true. And sometimes it's difficult for people to understand that they look at us like, what are you saying? But when you really understand the animal and the brain of the animal and the energy of the animal, again, scientific studies prove it, that that's where the neurosciences are jumping in, proves it that the horse can feel, sense it in a very, very subtle manner and will respond to it in a non-judgmental way, but in a nanosecond. So you will get that feedback. Yes. Wow, it's amazing. Okay, so you've been at this for, you know, a decade or so, but there's a big backstory that I know about that I think everybody should hear about. So can you take us back in time to, let's say, 2020, 2013, that's exactly 10 years ago, where you okay. made a radical change in your life? What was going on? What happened? So what happened is that, uh, well, to give you a little bit of background, I fell in love with the horses when I was six, and I've been in contact with them till I was 23. When I was 23, I lost my horse, he, he passed away, and I jumped into my studies and then my career because I couldn't handle the emotion of grief. So... I was a work at a colleague and I was working, I have, I have um, a master in sciences in, in business administration and then being creditative methods for business. And I had a career for more than 20 years in uh, high academics and business world. I uh, was successful, I could work and function. That was, that was okay, but I was losing myself. I was losing my authentic self. I was not really aware of that till I was getting older. I felt my body was not doing well and my mind was not doing well. I saw people around me starting to die suddenly at 50. And I said, oh my God, where's my life 
going? What am I doing here? So I said to my husband one time, I said, where are our dreams? Where did our, our dreams go? Quite at the same time, I'm gonna shorten the story, I was diagnosed with uh, cancer. So this, all these elements made that I decided to make radical changes into my, to my life and to never go back to my previous life. So with that said, I, I decided to find myself back and to live my first dream that was moving from one country to another country to live an experience abroad. And I was so lucky that my family said yes to that. So I chose you, I chose Canada. So thank you very, very, very much for <laughs> accepting me in your country. I'm very, very grateful for that. So it all started from there. I took some time after my cancer to heal, to pause. And, it, and it's that during that moment of not doing that my calling came came to me i received it it was it was very strong for me that i had to reconnect horses i loved working with people in my my career and i have more than 25 years of experience in business so i decided to put everything together and to serve and contribute and that is my life purpose now I love that. So you had the courage to make a radical shift and your family was supportive and you set up shop in Quebec and we're lucky to have you. But I also know that as you were applying to um, a, a program to be a certified equine coach, that you had uh, embodied visceral somatic experience. And I wonder if you could share that story. Yes, it's not a story that I really uh, share often. So but thank you for asking. Um, yes. So when I decided to combine all these passions, I, I found the Academy for Coaching with Horses in the US. And um, the founder of the Academy invited me to be a client first. What makes sense? experience it first before you can learn the methodology to do it. So I was inviting and in a session, what we call a round pen session. So the round pen session, the horse is at liberty in a circle, in a fence, sort of fence, and the coach is working with you, first of all, outside of the round pen. And my coach is asking me a lot of questions. Why are you here? What do you want to work on? And I'm, I'm finding a lot of reasons, false reasons, probably. And well, maybe I'm afraid of, you know, the teachers look at me and maybe she won't accept me in her program if I do this wrong or wrong. All in my false self-beliefs, but not, I was not deeply going to the kind of the root of the problem. And Mary, the coach, was absolutely amazing because she continued to dig, to dig, to dig in the questions. And at some point I said, oh, I feel it. And the horse, well, just for information, the horse was walking, coming by in my back because I, I was backwards to, to the horse. I couldn't see the horse, but I heard him walk back and forth, not really interested. But when she asked me that final question and I kind of had the ha-ha moment and said, I know why I'm here. If it's because if I continue to live my life the way I am doing it, if I go back to living in the business world like I was doing, I'm gonna die. I don't know where it came from, but it came from my body. And um, 
she had a look at me like this and then she started to look behind my back into the public that was there I couldn't stop myself to turn myself and to look at the other people all the, the, the people that were there were standing up and started to look at the horse so I, I turned myself I look at the horse and the horse was laying down but in, in, in a position that is dangerous for the horse means that when you see a horse it's big but it has very uh, the legs that are really fragile and the horse was laying down with the legs under the fence so i'm still shaking when i'm and even if it's 10 years ago and the horse was looking was looking like it was dead so everybody panicked me first too so i turned myself i saw this horse kind of dead there and there was something in me, like you said, it, it's visceral, it's embodied, kind of a survival thing coming from my body and saying, I don't want to die. I, I want to I want to live. I want to live. I, I don't want to go back to my previous life. I want to live. I want I, I want to make changes. And I said to the horse, believe me or not, I said to the horse, I'm choosing life. I promise you, I'm going to live here and I'm going to make the changes. And I promise you that. And what happened is that the horse kind of came back to life and stood up again. So this image and the feeling, I will never forget about it. Never. Kind of every day I'm thinking about it. Every day I'm reminding and I'm reminding myself not only the thoughts, but also the feelings of why am I here? What am I, what am I gonna do today? to serve and contribute and live my life purpose. So that image of the horse and the, the lesson that the, that horse gave me that day and to all the people that were present there, I will never forget it. So that Thank it's you so much for sharing that. It's, it's such a powerful story. It's such a powerful story. And I'm glad you had that experience because you lived how transformative that moment was to be able to gift it to others. And, you know, just to let people know, I mean, I, I, I from what I experienced, I was invited to the, to the center, saw your horses. We shared some stories. The horses greeted me. We went back inside to your barn with a whiteboard. We were working on my leadership challenge. You make it clear you're not an equine therapist. You're an equine coach because equine therapy is a thing too, right? The horses can be healing for people with PTSD or other mental health issues, um, but you do coaching. But nonetheless, you still are dealing with people's hopes and dreams and fears and things that paralyze them, things that hold them back, limiting belief systems. I'm curious if you could just maybe speak for a minute or two to some of the issues that you've actually seen change with some of the clients you've worked with, groups or individuals. Yeah, a, a, a lot. I, I need to think about which one I want to share. So yeah, there were transformations at individual levels and there are transformations at collective levels because I'm working a lot with teams and organizations. So at the individual levels is kind 
it's always when people come and we all have them but we have what we call false self beliefs or we have a conditioned self that is stopping us from living our lives in an authentic way and being really who we are so the biggest transformation happened when the horse is pointing to the person that false self belief and all the behaviors that go with it and it stops kind of collaborating with the human till there is a transformation so that's my job to help you to go through that transformation so it could be um you know i've been working recently and, and you know about it with persons who have big 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 fears around horses and my belief is that when you have a fear around a horse or whatever it is is that that fear appears in other parts of your life so by working on the fear of the horse you automatically work on fears in in other areas of your life so from one person arriving saying i'm never going to touch that horse i'm afraid of horses or even some, that happens sometimes in teams too one person is arriving and i just want to go away from here and just get in my car and walk back over there to having that transformation so that the person is hugging the horse or standing in with the horse running around her or him and not being afraid of how powerful is that for that person so she can go through that fear so she can go through everything in her life using that strength that embodied feeling that she had i i, I can do that i am powerful being or whatever the authentic voice is that's coming up so that's on a personal level transformation for groups sometimes they're huge and i love one of my examples that i have of a ceo coming here with his team and working with the whole team and the ceo was thinking about retiring and said well i don't really know how to do that i have a team there and so we set up different exercises and challenges that that team had to do with with the horses as a group and at some point i give one of my horses to that ceo and okay go through an obstacle course and he's struggling struggling cannot do the obstacle the horses taking the leadership going everywhere around and around the leader we had a part of his team what we call the emerging leader so the next generation was there and i have videotaped it so if you want the video I'll, i can give it to you too so and you see that the ceo is struggling to do the obstacle with the horse but also the emerging leaders are standing around him not knowing what can i do i want to help but i cannot how to help i don't dare to help because it's the ceo so by the coaching and the transformation and the facilitating we the ceo had big 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 haha moments of it that it is never delegating anything is never asking for help for anything because he's the generation i have to do everything by myself mm -hmm. so by becoming aware of that belief or behavior or pattern you call it the way you want by expressing it by being vulnerable he could 
also the emerging leaders could say, hey, look, we're here and we want to help and we want to support. And they could achieve the, the, the course together. But imagine it wouldn't have done that. That's what you see in today's companies quite often. The emerging leaders, if they cannot help, if they cannot support, if they cannot contribute, they will go away. Mm. So that's and I think some examples. Yes, sir. If you're enjoying this conversation, I bet you'll love reading my book, Purposeful Empathy, Tapping Our Hidden Superpower for Personal, Organizational, and Social Change. We are living in the era of a massive empathy deficit, but humans are wired to care and we can become more empathic with practice. And the more you do, the better you'll feel. Please visit your favorite online retailer and order your copy today. I think you have a really powerful video that actually it's like three minutes long um, that shows some of what you just described with this particular organization and set of leaders, right? So why don't we take a second here to drop it in uh, and you can talk us through what you're seeing and what you are visualizing. This is a time-lapsed video of one exercise for a team. In the context here, the CEO was planning to retire and wanted to make sure it wouldn't have any negative impact on the performance of the company. The challenge we offered him was to walk the horse through an obstacle course with flow and in a collaborative way. What do we notice here? The horse is not moving, not interested, frustrated, the ears are back, the tail is switching, and the next generation is witnessing their CEO having some trouble. They are scratching their heads, don't know what to do, they look confused, and the horse is not collaborating. The CEO is task-oriented, trying to do it all by himself, not asking for help, not seeing that he has a team of emerging leaders there, a team ready and willing to support. The fun fact is that the horse did notice the emerging leaders, took the lead and literally walked the CEO to the next generation, calling for inclusion and support. During the facilitation, the CEO became aware that what was happening in the arena was exactly what was happening at the office. So we coached them around the whys, the emotions, the beliefs, what could be transformed. And they identified what could create a better flow, what could improve the communication and the collaboration. And as you can see, the horse starts to become more and more willing as the team develops trust, communication, inclusion, collaboration. So what did they learn and what did they take away from that experience? The CEO identified a strong conditioned belief. I have to do it all by myself. I am responsible for everything. He identified non-protective behaviors resulting from it. And he also became aware of the impact it had on himself and his team, like the frustration of the emerging leaders who cannot contribute, who cannot use their talents. As a team, they identified the risk of having great leaders quitting because they cannot contribute and don't feel included. The emerging leaders experience that they have empathy, but could benefit from more confidence and courage to step up and communicate their needs and wants. 
all of them, they experienced how much authentic communication, accountability, collaboration bring flow, well-being, and performance. So this one very simple exercise led to awareness, transformation, and an action plan that was immediately transferable to the company. Months after this experience, they still talk about it and they are still applying the learnings. It's extraordinary to see the visual because there, it's undeniable. When you see it with your eyeballs manifest that way, it's impossible not to recognize that it must be happening within the workplace. And that's just one example, but I'm sure all the others. I've said to many friends when I'm describing your work, at least for me personally, that your the one the half day that we spent together was equivalent to 20 years of talk therapy. That I just I learned so much. I learned so much. And I I I couldn't have imagined how much I would take away from the experience going into it. So um, okay, let's let's just ask a couple more questions um, about why you think that it's urgent for leaders to develop empathy in today's world. And this is based on your 25 years of big, big work experience, right? So it's not like you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're close to animals and you're a sensitive soul all your life. You know, you've been a quantitative, you know, MBA, you, you've been delivering on your KPIs. Why is empathy so important? <laughs> that and now I've been working with all these teams because, you know, the world is changing. And because the world is changing, this is for me why there is, there is something urgent about empathy. Because when you see how the world is evolving and how the next generations are evolving, you know, we go to the future is uncertain. The, search, the future is volatile. The search, it's completely different than even 10 years ago. So the old way, the old ways of doing it, the old managerial models or strategies are not working anymore. And look at the challenges that the companies are facing right now. How can I engage my people? How can I retain my people? How, all of this, how can I have a team that is, well, that is healthy to, you know, all the whole well-being uh, problem. All of these challenges, it, these are current challenges. I'm not imagining it. <laughs> Real stuff that the teams are coming here with us. So it's not even me that I am saying, I am witnessing it. But different studies uh, are talking about it. I'm even thinking about a, a study made by McKinsey recently about what do leaders need to do in 2023? What's the first concern? Humans. Care about your people. How can you care about your people if you do not have empathy? So empathy is the first human skill that you need to work to make uh, teams well, I would say humans, teams, organizations, and the world that is healthy and performing at the same time. And I, I'm thinking about, you know, when I talk, I had the, the chance to talk to your students and we made a very simple poll there and we asked them, what are you waiting for from your future leaders? What is the human skill that you're waiting from them? Number one, empathy. Number two, authenticity. So what do you want more? That, that's why it's urgent. 
we need to change the ways how we are doing business, yes. And as you were talking about that McKinsey report, which I'd love to have a copy of, uh, you'll send it to me. We'll include it in the description notes below, along with the book about biomimicry that you mentioned. We'll include that in the description yeah. notes below as well. Um, yeah, okay. So I, I agree with you, obviously, um, and, and want to build on that even more because you talk about the benefits of healthy empathy for ourselves and others and the organization and societies at large. What do you mean by healthy or empathy because you know i noticed that often the people that are coming here and we talk about empathy they they say well it it it's weak and all of this stuff it's like okay so let's try and work with the horse and try to be empathic with the horse so what we notice in the humans we have non-healthy and healthy empathy non-healthy empathy is that when we have too much empathy we're kind of too kind or too too sensitive. I, I don't like to use these words, but it's kind of uh, I'm using this for the, for the purpose of, of this talk. So when that happens, if I'm taking an example with a horse, you have a horse and you were talking about your husband, it's about it's that's about it. When I have a human that has a lot of empathy for the horse, or oh dear horse, you're kind. But I gave you a mission. I gave you a goal. Move that horse from point A to point B in a collaborative way. So when you have too much empathy, the horse is not moving. Kind of your team member, if you have too much empathy, kind of listening too much to the stories and feeling too much the emotions of the, of the persons, at some point, where is the performance going to go? So that's one thing. On the other side, when you have not enough and empathy, you be, you're becoming more like a predator in nature. Just go do that. So these are the kind of persons taking a carrot, a carrot stick, we call that, you know, it's a little stick that we use to raise the energy. And the person is taking the stick and raises his or her energy and then my horse is running away so if you make the link with the, your team if you do not have enough empathy then your team is going to fear you and go is going to run away from you it's the extremes i i know that but the healthy empathy it's about myself and others but here we're talking about others find the right balance not too much not not enough the right amount of empathy so that you can create a healthy relationship, a collaborative partnership with others. But I would say the same with ourselves. If we have too much empathy about ourselves, we're not going to move and not going to do anything during our days. And if we are too rough on ourselves, then, uh, okay, we're going to go into rabbit hole and judging ourselves. So it's about me, about me with the others, me with the organizations, me with the environment find that balance. And even coming back to the whole sort of uh, biomimicry story now, before we have the final question of the interview, and I, I love, I love, I love hearing what you have to say. Um, you were telling me that horses work in herds and everybody has a role. And if um, some newcomer joins the herd and brings energy that's not helpful and productive to the herd, 
how does the leader react to that? Because I think that's really informative. I think that's a really interesting um, concept. Yes, and and we can find all the links with a new new person arriving into 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 a team. So an example could be that the new horse coming into the herd is not really humble for any reason mm -hmm. because the past or whatever happens and and saying well kind of okay i want to play with all the mares here and uh, be the leader of the herd but you're working with a herd that is uh, working in harmony there is a homeostasis that we, we call that so the herd is at balance and you bring in a new member of the herd so what's going to happen is that the herd especially the, the alpha leader, we call that, is going to anal analyze who is that new person, member, being, whatever it is. Who are you? What are your talents? What are you doing? With what kind of energy are you entering into the group? And if it doesn't correspond or doesn't serve the herd, the leader is going to keep the new uh, herd member away from the herd and it's not that it, the horse is going to reject the new arrival but it's going to keep the horse at a certain distance so that the horse is there and can observe observe what's going on in the herd and the herd can observe what's going on with the newcomer so empathy is working a lot there. They're using that, you know, empathy, high sensitivity to feel what's going on and to learn from it. And as soon as the newcomer shows to the leader that he has something to bring to the herd, a talent to bring to the herd that he can contribute to the mission, survival and tribal, and that he can behave in an inclusive, collaborative way, and he can communicate positively and correctly, and has courage, all you know, the skills that they're required in a herd, then the alpha leader is going to accept and include the new member in the herd. That's how they do it. And I find that it really inspiring for us because sometimes, you know, if a person is coming in a new team, we could really go quickly to judgment or bias, mm -hmm. but we work with biases and say, well, I don't want this person in my team because of this, 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 this. But please give a chance, change your perspectives, take time to observe, to be present, to learn who is that person in front of me and what has this person to say? What is this person feeling? What is this person understanding of our mission, of our team? And when you take the time and use all these human skills to do that, then you can take a good decision, a sustainable decision for your team. Okay, I'm gonna include that person and I'm gonna train that person so that she can really serve the, the team or the organization. And if not, well, we're gonna make a courageous decision to say, no, this is nature too. Nature has the ability to make courageous decisions because they always have the mission in mind. So that's interesting because if we take your arrogant horse, which has been successfully integrated into the herd 
for a new state of homeostasis, right? So using your language, it'll happen once in a while where you have like a young buck, uh, you know, full of predator energy, you know, maybe in our workplace, we would call them like a high performing A-type um, yeah. come in and let's say they don't get integrated well and they're starting to cause friction and problems with the well-being of the herd. Then what happens? In, in the herd, so in the herd, if they've tried and they've, they they try for months, you, you have to know now that they don't try for days, they try for months. If it's if it's not working at some point, the leader is going to make the decision to send the new herd member, we're talking about wild horses here, not domesticated horses, to go away from the herd. And it happens with what we call the bachelors, so the young ones. So the, the older one, the leader is going to send the, the bachelor away from the herd. And it's amazing, you know, looking from away, from far away, you're going to say, well, that's tough. I don't feel it's tough because if that herd member or that person in the team is staying, it's going to be toxic for the team and it's going to be toxic for the new member too. So everybody's going to be unhappy. The performance is going to go lower. The well-being is going to go lower. It's going to decrease all of that. So the leader is making a wonderful decision by saying, well, thank you very much, handoff, but go away, go in another in another herd, create your own herd or whatever, or in, go in another herd and develop yourself because there you're going to use your talents. There you're going to be happy. There you're going to serve. But here in this herd, it's not going to work. So in an organization, that happens. Not everybody goes well along with each other. Not everybody needs the talents. All Sometimes we have same talents that are kind of eating each other. So at some point, leaders need to make a decision, but for the, the best of the two parties, I would say. Again, so much to learn from nature. Okay. Um, oh, I could continue talking to you forever, but uh, I'll ask as a final question, which is what I always do at the end of the conversation with my guests. And that is, Anil, can you think of a time in your life when you were on the receiving end of empathy and what that meant for you? Uh, uh, yes. Um, and I must say, uh, I was kind of the person I have to do it all by myself <laughs> before that. So receiving was kind of hard for me. So courses taught me that a lot to be able to receive because that's the cycle of life, give and take. So a few years ago, we started to open Wasabi to volunteers to help us because it's a lot of work taking care of horses, except especially because we adopt horses from complex situations. So um, so we accepted volunteers. And a few months ago, one of our participants came and said, well, uh, I would like to volunteer for you and help you with food or whatever it is. And I said, well, yes, thank you. And then we created a relationship and we started to talk. And uh, I started to share my really my profound mission with her. And that one of my dreams was to reconnect with the academic world that was earlier in my career. And because by working with the academic world, I felt uh, this work could catch more and more leaders and 
emerging leaders and the next generation so that we can prepare them to be the right kind of leaders for the future. And she said, well, I think I may have somebody for you to connect with. I said, okay, yeah, thank you. Well, that was you. <laughs> <laughs> that was you. And when you arrived to the, to the, to the center, you started to talk and if I may give you something, Anita, is that probably you one of the, not a lot of people like that, but you really walk your talk because yes, you're an empath, empath, empathy expert and activist, but you do it too, because when, I, when we talked and we shared our stories and what we wanted to do and the impact we wanted to create in the world, you said, I'm going to kind of you, you even didn't say it you did it you helped me you offered me your whole heart with a lot of empathy to help me and support me to bring that vision and that mission out there to the world so thank you thank you thank you very much for that so you're the one huh. I'm the story. I'm the purposeful empathy story. Well, this is the first. And well, thank you so much. I mean, we can really give credit to our mutual friend that brought us together. But uh, I, 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 the whole channel, this whole show, you know, low budget as it is, is really just to amplify the voices of people around the globe who understand the world needs more empathy and are doing something about it. So if that's what you're doing, let's get you on the show, which is happening. But let's get you in front of students, as you said, to build that pipeline of emerging leaders so that they can be the kind of leaders that the world needs. So thank you so much for spending part of your afternoon with me and everyone watching and listening. Thank you very much, Anita. You're an amazing person. And please, 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 everybody read your book. It's it's. <laughs> Listen to you. I'm very honored and humbled to know you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And also, if you don't come to uh, North of Montreal to visit uh, Anouk at her uh, center, Wasabi, we will we include those uh, that information in the in the notes. She also works with horses anywhere on the planet. I was really fascinated to learn that it's not just your horses that you know how to facilitate with. You could just work with any horses because horses, wherever they are, have that special special ability so with that i will wish everyone thank you for watching thank you for listening and we'll see you next week at purposeful thank you for watching another episode of purposeful empathy remember this show is dedicated to amplifying the voices of people from across the globe who understand that the world needs more empathy and are doing something about it if you want to get involved, share this video, subscribe to this channel. See you next week. Thank you so much.